Today we are uh, continuing our study in the book of Galatians, and as we work to understand Paul's message to this Galatian church, he's continued in his quest to correct the flawed teaching of some of the Pharisaical believers and, and some of the teachers of the law who were insisting that Paul had not provided the entirety of the good news of the gospel. They were saying that, that the gospel was, was Jesus and works. Jesus and obedience to the law. And so there was this conflict going on in the church that Paul was trying to, to speak to. And we've seen throughout our study their teachings and Paul's responses. They said that to be saved, you had to keep the law. You had to do this and, and not do that. And you had to keep this set of rules and regulations. And thus immediately in, in chapter 1, Paul laid out the good news and the simplicity of God's grace. Jesus died for our sins. I'm seeing Grant wave at me, so I think the middle schoolers are free to be dismissed for ministry. My apologies, I didn't see that at the beginning. If you have a middle schooler, you can let them go at this point. But in chapter 2, Paul explains that we aren't saved by the law or works, but by faith in Jesus. And so we come to this place of understanding that it's by faith in Jesus Christ that we find salvation. See, Jesus took on the curse of the law so that by faith in Him, we might be set free. We were in bondage in our sin, and through Jesus we found freedom. Paul then, then demonstrates how this message of hope is not new, but that it actually predates the law. See, the promise of righteousness through faith was made to Abraham before God gave Israel the law. Way back in the Old Testament, God called Abraham and said, I will make you the father of many nations. Your your Descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky, which was a little bit hard for Abraham to conceive since he was old and they had not conceived a child. But nonetheless, God's promises are good. So grace has always been God's way of, of doing things. It's always been His plan to redeem His creation. And so this morning as we continue on in our study, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. If you want to flip there, you can. We'll be in verse 15 to start. If you don't have your Bibles, you can look to the screen or jump on the Uversion Bible app and, and search events and find Neighborhood Church. I have got a new Bible today because my eyes don't work like they used to, and this has larger print. So I'm embracing that aspect of age, and so I think we'll be a little bit better off here today. But starting in verse 15 of chapter 3, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, let me take an example from everyday life. Just as no one can set aside or add to a human covenant that has been duly established, so it is in this case. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but, and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. 
For if in the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law. Locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, we are so grateful for that promise. For that promise of new life that was accomplished through the shed blood of Your Son. We're so grateful, God, that You loved us so much that You were willing to provide a way back to You through a promise. And though the law gave us a roadmap, Father, we, we know that in Your love You knew that redeeming Your creation involved a sacrifice. So Father, we thank You for sending Your Son that we might see the perfect picture of grace and receive the gift of salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God, we worship You today and we thank You. We pray that You would speak to our hearts through Your Word and that You would reveal Yourself in this time. God, we love You and we thank You. We pray Your blessing on this time. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, it's, it's interesting as we unpack this, this idea of grace more and more and more. The greatest reality of grace is that it's a gift. That it's unmerited favor. That it's this thing that we couldn't earn, that we couldn't accomplish, that we, that we don't deserve. But it's only by the grace of God. It's only by the love of God that we can receive grace. And so as we engage this reality, we need to understand that, that grace is received by faith. And faith, in its essence, is where our journey with God begins. Faith is where our journey with God begins. When we step into relationship with God, when we say yes to God's invitation to grace, our journey begins. Our new life begins with Christ. And I don't know about you, but when, when we, we begin a journey, every one of us likes to have a, a clear understanding of our desired destination, right? 
None of us jumps in the car, you know, puts it in gear and says, let's point it north and just see where we end up. No, it's, I mean, you maybe, maybe if you have a day off and you're just kind of bored, you're like, hey, let's just kind of go. You know, wherever we run out of gas, you know, we'll just, yeah. But the key component of a daily walk with God is understanding and embracing that every step must be one of faith. Every step with God is one of faith because we don't get the roadmap. We don't get the, the whole guide. We don't, we don't get the whole journey laid out. He just shows us the next step. See, faith in its essence, if we look to Scripture in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 is defined this way. Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is that element of living that says, I don't know exactly what's next, but God, I trust You. I trust You. And the challenge is, we like to have the itinerary laid out. We like, we like to have the plan. We like to have the, the road map. We like to have all the answers before we start. I can remember when I, was, when I was growing up, my mom and dad used to say when I got my license and I had my freedom, you know, they would say, Dan, we want to know where you're going, who you're hanging out with, how long you're going to be there, and when you're getting home. Right? Anybody? Yeah. Okay, Cliff and I. Cliff and I are parents. But that was, you know, they, they, always, they always kind of hit us, hit us up with that. I don't know why, but, you know. But it was funny because I got to be a little bit older. Gretchen and I got married. We started our own family. And, and my parents began, as we were all out of the nest, my parents began to travel and they'd go do stuff and they'd go be hanging out with people. And half the time we'd call up and, and, and be like, hey, are you guys home? No, 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 we're over in, you know, such and such a place. I'm like, wait, wait, when did that happen? So I said, listen, if you're going to go on a trip, I want to know where you're going, I want to know who you're hanging out with, and I want to know when you're getting back. Darn it. They've sort of abided by that directive. But truly, no, nobody sets off on a, on a journey without a, pl- a, a clear plan or direction. Right? We don't just go, ah, just throw caution to the wind. Yet that's what we're called to do. In life, in faith, that's what we're called to. Is stepping out and trusting God's plan. Think of the way that, that, that Jesus called His disciples. Have you ever thought about this? Here's Jesus. He doesn't, he doesn't go, hey guys, I'm, I'm putting together this, this band of merry men. It's going to be amazing. We're going to go here and there and all over the place. You know, they're gonna, we're going to be totally famous. You know, at some point, there's a real good chance that you're going to show up on the, the cover of the Jerusalem Herald, you know, or the, the Galilee Gazette, and it's going to be amazing. Who's in? Anybody? Yeah. No, that's not what Jesus did. Jesus went to each of his disciples and he said two words Follow me. Follow me. It wasn't like, hey, hey, follow me. Okay, well, where are we going? Follow me. Well, who are we even hanging out with? Follow me. When are we getting back? Follow me. That was it. 
And that's truly how the Spirit of God is calling each and every one of us today. Follow me. Walk with me. Trust me. Trust my plan is right. But we're not big fans of blind trust, are we? We like to have signs that God is with us in the journey, you know. We like, to, we like it when the, you know, the heavens open up and the choir singing in the background and the, you know, the sunlight's shining down and it's like, oh, you know, and there's this, this aura about us. And yeah, I know I'm in the will of God now. We like to have signs. And that's why the Galatian church was putting so much emphasis and trust in the law. Because it was something they could see. It was something they could feel, they could touch, they could understand. It was logical. Do this. Don't do that. Go here. Don't go there. It made sense. You know, it's important that we pay attention to the signs in life. But we just have to make sure that we're trusting God as we see the signs. That we're trusting that He's going to show us the signs as we place our faith in Him. We've got to pay attention to the signs. You know, I love family road trips. Maybe maybe some of you are like, no, I'll just get in a plane, we'll go, you know. But uh, I grew up road tripping. Gretchen grew up road tripping. We actually had quite a few road trips with our kids. We're going to be going on a road trip here later this month. We're going to go down to Southern California. We're loading up, and the kids are going to have a blast. Confident. That fact. But I loved road trips when I was a kid. Right, so you know there was there was a the Clements family consists of my mom and my dad and my three brothers, so four boys. It's a little chaotic. I'm just you know let's call a spade a spade, and we'd go on these road trips. And when we moved from California to Oregon when I was five, my parents purchased one of these Oldsmobile. I don't even know what they're called, Cutlass Supreme uh, station wagons. You know what I'm talking about? A big, long, boxy thing. We weren't cool enough to get the wood paneling. I think that was an upgrade. But it was green and it was diesel. And it was like, you know, just the thing was, it was, yeah, it was, it was the thing to behold. And of course, because I was number three of four, uh, my younger brother and I got to view the world through a backwards facing seat for the better part of our formative years. And I don't know what engineer came up with the rear-facing seat, but I'm pretty sure that was not safe. Just throwing that out there. But we would sit in this backward bench seat thing, you know, in the back of the station wagon. And the first, you know, few years that we, we occupied that particular part of the, the car, you know, we, we thought it was, was awesome that when people, we came up to stoplights, people were sitting there staring at us. And we'd be like, ah! you know, just, just making idiotic faces, and, and I think people were probably like, yes, kids need help. <clears throat> and then we came to this weird threshold, you know, when I was probably like 11 or 12, and you didn't want to make eye contact with people anymore, and so you did everything you could to kind of just be like, <laughs> can we leave now? Can we, are you going to drive? Are we, is, it, is it green yet? And it was just, you know, that was our reality, the station wagon. The family station wagon. And we'd go on road trips all over the place. And our road trips consisted of the green station wagon, the backward seat, 
and Kenny Rogers karaoke, baby. I mean, I'm telling you, we had the Kenny Rogers cassette, and it was Kenny Rogers karaoke, and I know the gambler backwards and forwards, and I will, yeah, it's, I can't get the, the gravelly thing. But, go. but one of our favorite games when we go on road trips was the road sign alphabet game. Now, I don't actually know if that's what it's called, but did anybody play the road sign alphabet game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, when we, that's before we had these kids, okay? We played the road sign alphabet game. You know, you go down the road and it'd be like, okay, there's A in Apple, Apple Valley. I got the A, woo, you know. Oh, B in Boulevard, yes, I'm on C and you're still at A, woo, you know. And it was, you know, this is a time-honored tradition and we, we loved the road sign alphabet game. But there's signs everywhere and, you know, sometimes they're informational, sometimes they're a little bit more odd and you, you wonder where signs come from sometimes. You know, you got the ones that help you get gas and food and find lodging and all those things. And then there's those other signs that you just kind of go, what? And, uh, you know, sometimes there's weird signs out there. I, I, I found a few of them just, just by way of illustration. Um, this one says, brakeless trucks use freeway. Which seems a little bit like You'd think the, anyways, the break, yeah. Let's, let's move on. This one's interesting. Do not take a bath in the restroom. No rubber balloons in restroom. No playing in the restroom. Now, I get the do not take a bath. I get the don't play in the restroom. I don't quite understand the rubber balloons. What constituted that? But, I mean, you know, there you go. Uh, the next one's fun. Bicycles here. Drive your car over here, um, and it should be great. Uh, next one, go ahead and drink and drive. The jail is that way, the hospital is that way, and the morgue is over there. So, <sighs> buckle up. E.T. telling you to buckle up. Now, here's the deal. I love E.T., okay? And I think everybody's inspired by E.T., Elliot. <clears throat> but I don't remember any point in that movie, and I've seen it a, quite a few times, where E.T. was buckled up in that little milk crate as they took off on the bike. Come on now. Now we're just making stuff up. All right, finally. Beware of invisible cows. I don't know what to do with that. But uh, there's invisible cows apparently in Hawaii, and there's a lot of definition there as you're driving by at 55 miles an hour to be able to take in. And then finally, for all you moms out there, beware, wild animals slash children. You know, there's some weird signs out there. And sometimes in our lives, we see weird signs that we don't understand. We have things happen in our lives that we don't get. Sometimes they're hard things. Sometimes they're destructive things. Sometimes they're trials and hardships. Sometimes they're amazing victories. There's signs that we see in life. And sometimes they're hard to interpret. And so often we are in search of signs to see and sense that we're truly in the will of God. And what do we do when a sign doesn't make sense? See, we, we place our trust too many times in what we can see and make sense of. Namely, in this passage of Scripture, the law. 
See, Paul's helping us to understand that the promises of God are not fulfilled through the law, but instead by faith and belief. That's how the, the law is fulfilled. Galatians chapter 3, verse 16, going back to our text, says the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. Scripture does not say and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. What I mean is this, the law introduced 430 years later does not set aside the covenant previously established by God and thus do away with the promise. For if in the inheritance depends on the law, then it no longer depends on the promise. But God in His grace gave it to Abraham through a promise. See, God's grace was given through a promise a long, long time ago. And we receive it by faith. See, when we make the decision to step out in faith, God's always faithful to lead us to His perfect plan. And we can be tempted to wait for a perfect sign, the most sensible sign that says we can trust what God says He's doing in our lives. And sometimes that's what we wait for before we truly, truly trust God. But God's desire is that we would have faith in the promise. That we would have faith that He is who He says He is. That He's a loving Father. That He has good things for His children. The Bible says God's promises are yes and amen. That means they're fully complete. They don't need to be added to. They don't need to be changed or altered. That God's promises are perfect for your life and for mine. And so we've got to come to a place of understanding that faith is where our journey with God truly begins. We also need to understand that belief in God's plan and purpose paves the way for Christ-like living. It makes it possible for us to live as unto Christ. It starts with belief. And then God begins to unveil and re show us His plan. Reveal it. But if it's true that God's plan unfolds when we choose to walk in faith, then why did God give the law at all? Why was the law even necessary? The law was given because of our sinful nature. For the purpose of providing a guide to living in the presence of a holy God. If you remember, the nation of Israel was famous for saying, God is amazing. God is one. We serve the Almighty God. And then going over here and going, you know what we should do? We should grab some gold, melt it down, fashion it into a calf, and then worship it. That would make sense. I'm sure God would be pleased with that. If you remember, when, when, when the, the Mosaic Law was birthed, that's what was happening. <laughs> God, you're so great. Let's worship the calf. This is great. And so God had to show the children of Israel their sin through the law. Galatians chapter 3, verse 19 says, Why then was the law given at all? It was added because of transgressions until the seed to whom the promise 
referred had come. The law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. A mediator, however, implies more than one party, but God is one. Is the law therefore opposed to the promises of God? Absolutely not. For if a law had been given that could impart life, then righteousness would certainly have come by the law. But Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. See, the law provided a framework for people to understand how they should live while waiting on the promise of God to send a Redeemer. If you remember, there was a prophecy given in Isaiah of a, of a coming Messiah. But the children of Israel clearly needed a guide on how to live until the Redeemer came. And we need that guide in our own lives because sometimes we're not very good at reading the signs. See, by giving us the law, God was giving us a glimpse into His heart that He loves and cares about people. Otherwise, He wouldn't, give, he wouldn't have given the law. He would have just destroyed people. See, God wants what's best for us, and He wants us to live in relationship with Him. That is, he wants a, a meaningful and loving relationship with his creation. You and me, his children. And the law shows us that, God, that, what, that that's what God wants most, and it also reveals that we can't make it happen on our own. We're, just, we're not good enough. Even on our best day, it's not enough. Scripture says on our best day, our righteousness, our holiness is filthy rags. And so we needed a Redeemer. We needed a Savior. See, it's important we resist the temptation to focus too much on what we do and not enough in the One in whom we place our faith and trust. Because we can do a lot of stuff and it still not get us anywhere. If we don't trust God, if we don't place our faith in Him, if we don't place our faith in and Jesus. We have to pull back sometimes and see where our focus is. Where we're placing our attention. Because we have a tendency to, to place our attention on all the wrong things. We say, God is so good! Golden calf. Okay, let's see here. I need to do this and do this and do this. I need promotion in my career. I need to become the provider because God's not enough to provide for me. i got to do it for myself and for my family. And we begin to worship the things that we do instead of the One who provides us the ability to do them. Our focus can get skewed so quickly and it can be destructive. A few years back, I took a motor motorcycle endorsement training class. It was eight of the most exhilarating hours of my life. Going just like this. Just in circles. Small circles, by the way. 
just, you know, round and around and around because I needed to get an endorsement for my moped. That's right, people. I ride a scooter. It's a Vespa, thank you, which is the Harley of scooters, just so we're clear. But I took this little endorsement class, got a little, little you know, symbol on my license. Pretty cool, not going to lie. That and about $3 will get you a Starbucks coffee. <clears throat> but when we were going through this class um, and just repetitively going around in circles, it seemed like for an eternity, we learned a lot of different stuff. We learned about braking correctly so you don't go over your handlebars. You know, we learned about anticipating the actions of, of other drivers, making sure you see in eye contact, and if they're creeping, you just kind of, you know. Uh, we, we learned about counter-steering, which is kind of counterintuitive. If you want to go left, you counter-steer right. It's, I'm just telling you, it works, right? We learned how to, to approach turns, you know, and, and how, to, how, to, how to corner correctly. So there's a lot of valuable information that I've used now as I scoot around. But one of the things that we also learned is that wherever you look or focus will be where you'll tend to steer. It's this amazing thing. When you focus on an object, you'll tend to steer that way. When you focus on a turn, you'll, you, right? you, get, you get the idea. And they teach you to look through your turn. Right? So you don't just go like this. You, know, you kind of go like this. Right? But it's, it's the same way in life. What are, you, what are you spending your time focusing on? Because what you focus on in life is what you will steer yourself to, toward. What you zero in on in your daily journey is what you will end up navigating towards. Right or wrong? The truth is God's plan, when we are focused on His plan, will always steer you to the place He desires you would be. We get so focused here, okay, I've got to figure this out. I've got to take care of this. I've got to do all these things. And God's saying, would you just lift your eyes and focus on me and focus on my plan for your life? Focus on what I have for you? Because God's plan will always steer you to the place He desires you would be. And it's perfect. It is flawless. His promise is perfect. See, when we truly decide to place our trust fully in God's perfect plan, the direction of our lives will naturally follow the purposes of God through every season and stage of our lives. That's good news. When we focus on God, He will take us to the place He has for us. And it's good. His promises are good. We've got to remember that faith is where our journey with God begins. And, and belief in God's plan and purpose is what paves the way for us to live as unto Christ. To reflect Jesus. The final thought today is this. Grace received by faith is lived out as we imitate Jesus. See, when you receive grace, 
and you begin to live by faith in God's perfect plan and purpose, we start to reflect Jesus. We start to reflect the one to whom we serve. And here's the, here's the, here's the interesting part. Jesus, the person that we're trying to be more and more like each day, was the fulfillment of the law. So it wasn't like the law went away, but when Jesus showed up, died, and was resurrected, He fulfilled the law in its entirety. And so as we live our lives, when we receive grace through faith, and we begin to live like Jesus, we are quite literally fulfilling the law. See, Paul makes it clear that the law cannot save you, and neither can it save someone else. You can't live by a set of rules and go, woo, okay, we're good. I was a good guy. Go to heaven. But this raises a question. Do you share law or grace with those God brings across your path? Which one do we share? The law or grace? Set of rules? God's goodness. Galatians chapter 3, verse 22 Going back to our text says, but Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin so that what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the, the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. See, the picture that's painted here is, 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 is twofold, and it's kind of interesting. There's this picture of captivity or prison that Paul's kind of painting when he says, but Scripture has locked up everything under the control of sin, so what was promised being given through faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. In essence, Paul is saying, prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, we were locked up in our sin. We were without hope. We were in need of a Savior. And this prison of sinful living was evidenced by the need for the law. The children of Israel were sinning, and so came the law. Stop doing these things Start doing these things. The beauty of Jesus' coming, though, is that through Him we've been freed from our prison of sin and have been given the keys to life-filled living. Did you hear that? Through Jesus, we've been freed from our prison of sin and we've actually been given the keys to live life fulfilled. That's probably something to get excited about. I don't know. <laughs> Freedom, life to the full. It's an incredible gift. The other form of custodial living that Paul kind of references here is that of parental care. If you've ever had to do legal documentation or anything like that, you'll, you'll hear about custodial care. I remember as... I was an administrator up north at a uh, school called Horizon Christian School, and we would admit students. The admissions process, part of it was custodial 
Who's the custodial parent? Who's the custodial guardian of this, this child? And we'd have to go through this process. And sometimes there was homes that, where, the, where the parents were divorced or separated and we had to know who the custodial parent was. Who had the right to pick up and drop out, you know, all these things. And we can think about parental care when we think about the custodial living. And it's interesting that Paul references things this way and uses this kind of terminology because later in this book of Galatians, he will refer to God as being the the Abba or Father. That He's our perfect Father. And parents who love their, chi- love their children will, will lay down rules that act as a, as a framework to educate them and protect them until they mature into adulthood. We, we all do it. right? We've all done it. We've all been a product of it. And these rules are there to keep children safe and, and to teach them how to live. You know, rules like look, look both ways before you cross the street. You know, don't run with scissors. It's not a good, you know, it's like, ah, woo-hoo, let's go do crafts. You know, they, they, these seem like obvious rules, but they're not to kids. They're just excited. Ball goes out in the street, woo! No, don't do that. Hey, hang on. Children need to be instructed so they understand the consequences of living in a fallen and an evil world. And the law functions the same way. Gives a roadmap, gives a guide to how we should live. But as with our rules as parents, the law was given in anticipation of when the one to whom it was given would mature. So the law was given thinking that people will grow and start making the right decisions and start doing the right things. And this happens for our kids when they grow up. But in relationship to God, it requires the gift of new life in Jesus. It's not, it's not enough to just do the right things. We need to be transformed. We need to be renewed. We need to be redeemed. As we prepare to, to close this morning, there's a pastor by the name of Daniel Deji Ayodele, and I'm probably just completely you know, mutilated his name. But that's the best I got for it. But Pastor Daniel sums it up well. He says, the will of God can never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. God's grace is sufficient for us anywhere His providence places us. Temptations are everywhere and so is the grace of God. Grace grows by exercise and decays by disuse. See, God's grace is is, is always there. It's always with us. It's always moving. It's always redeeming. It's always changing. And grace is not a license to just keep on sinning. That was not why God sent His Son. So that we could just sin and sin and oh yeah, it's all under under the grace. No, but God's desire is that we would begin to live a life that reflects His Son that we would begin to look more and more like Jesus as we strive to follow Him. See, the greatest gift of God's grace is seen when we live our lives in a way that reflects the heart of God. What's the heart of God? Love. 
love. He loved us so much, he was willing to send his son. That's the greatest, greatest picture of grace found in Jesus. And Jesus showed us the perfect example of grace and love throughout his time on earth. He served, he loved, he healed, he ministered to, he interacted with those who were hurting and broken and struggling and lost and hopeless. And when it comes to the balance of embracing God's promises and understanding Jesus' fulfillment of the law, we have to ask this question. What category would others who know us put us into? Are we just rule keepers who judge others by how well they keep the rules? Or are we grace givers overflowing with grace, love, and forgiveness? The same grace, love, and forgiveness that was given to us. Without exception. See, only the God of all grace can save. I can't save you. You can't save me. We can't save each other. Only God can save us. And He did it by sacrificing His Son. So our witness on this earth should be focused on sharing the same grace. The grace of God. The grace of love. The grace of kindness. The grace of coming alongside and serving one another without strings attached. Because it's through that that people will see the Spirit of God in us. It's through that that people will see the person of, of Jesus in us. And the way that we serve, and the way that we love, and the way that we reach out. Understanding that the gift of grace was not given to us so that we could just hold on to it and bury it. But that it would be shared. Only God can save our witness in life should be show, focused on sharing the grace of God. Would you stand to your feet as we close this morning? Father, we love you. And we are so thankful for this gift of grace. We are so thankful that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus. That he would live a perfect life and die a shameful death. All so that we could be redeemed all so that we could be welcomed back into the family of God, all so that we could be called your children, your chosen, your set apart. But Father, we so often get focused on all the wrong things. And we begin to look at the things that we're doing in life thinking that that's going to be enough. And for that, God, we repent. I repent. Forgive us for trying to earn your salvation for trying to earn your grace. God, help us to be those that would receive grace and then desire to give it. Oh, that we would be those that show love, that show kindness, that don't pass judgment, that don't hang things over people's heads. Father, that we would be slow to speak, that we would be slow to become angry, that we would be quick to listen 
and that we would allow our hearts to mirror yours. Father, thank you for showing us the perfect picture of love and grace in Jesus. We ask that you would help us today to live more like that. To show your grace to everyone we meet. We thank you, Lord, that you will help us, that you will guide us by your Spirit, that we don't have to do it in our own power. Thank you, Father. We worship you this morning. Perhaps this morning you find yourself in a place where you're saying, man, this all sounds good, but I've done a lot of things and I've gone a lot of places and, and I, I, I want to understand how to receive grace, but I've done a lot of stuff that I'm not proud of. This morning, if that's you and you desire to receive the grace of God, our desire is that we would provide you an opportunity to respond. The beautiful component is we are all in need of God's grace. None of us is special. And yet in God's eyes, every one of us is special. So he gave this gift of grace. And so this morning, if your desire is to respond to that invitation of grace that God has given you through Jesus, we want to believe with you. And the recipe is simple. We say a simple prayer each and every week. And the Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be redeemed. You will receive that gift of grace. And so today, we want to say this prayer with you if you're making that decision for the first time. And I would just encourage you to speak it out and to believe in your heart. And God will receive you. So church, can we say this together? Can we say, Father God, Please forgive me. I've sinned and I've made a lot of mistakes. I believe your son Jesus Christ came to this earth to show me how to live. And he died and was raised back to life so that I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life. Change the things in me I can't change as I choose to live for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you've made that decision today, we want to we hear from you. If you'd be willing to fill out a connection card or if you're tuning in online, email at us at info at albanync.org. We want to get in touch with you, help you as you take those next steps. We've got Bibles and information out in the lobby for you. We are so grateful for the grace that God gives us and that it is a gift that is meant to continue to be given. So as we go out of this place this week, can we be those that would not only receive the gift of grace, but that we would show it to those people that we come in contact with in the way that we live and the way that we love, the way that we serve one another? We are excited for Mother's Day Thank you, moms, for who you are and all that you invest in us. We honor you today. We bless you and we love you and we're thankful for you. As you go out of this place, make sure you love on your mom. You know, if, if she's not close by, shoot a text. Um, and we also do have gifts as you go out. Uh, make sure you grab one of those on your way out. That's our gift to you. Um, we 
are grateful for you, and we're grateful for what God has in store for us this next week. Let's go out of this place, and as we say each and every week, let's go and be the neighborhood. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.